Welcome back to another episode of Spiritually Shitty, episode four, where we have organic conversations about spirituality. Today we have Lance. Hello. Lance McGowan. Right? Is that yeah, how you yeah, say yeah, it? That's Your it. last name? Yep. McGowan. Okay, cool, cool. Um, Lance is a good friend of ours, and we met him in recovery, and he's always been a very humble and seem, seemingly spiritual guy. Ever, and whenever I've been around you, it seems like you're always just calm, and I really like that energy, so I wanted to have you come on so I could hear more about your life and about your journey on this spiritual path that we're on, and so I'm excited to have you, and thank you for, for joining me. Yeah, totally cool to be on here. Um, a little nerve wracking. I don't do stuff like this all the time, but um, to get to share my experience in any sort of way is like a cool thing to do. Not just for other people to get to hear, but for myself to get to hear to kind of like um, uh, I don't necessarily know how much I know until like I hear or get to share it with somebody else. If that makes sense. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Um, we definitely, every time I share some of my story or I speak somewhere or something like that, it's like I learn, it's like I'll forget and stuff will just come out of my mouth and then I'm like, damn, I totally forgot that, that all of that happened. And, the, and then my perspective on it from my, where I'm at currently is always um, a different perspective than where I was when it was happening. So, um, yeah, let's get rocking and rolling. So tell me a little bit about your childhood and, and how you grew up. Um, my childhood was pretty good. Um, as far as spiritual, um, practices in the household, there wasn't, um, I don't remember ever having like my parents having a spiritual talk with me or about talking about like, uh, different things I believed in, um, I do know that like our neighbors, when I was growing up, I, I think I must have been like about eight or nine, ten years old. Our neighbors were big into church and stuff and they like invited me. And um, and it was super convenient because they had like um, their group of church people would come and pick you up in a bus and they would they would feed you and they would take you to um, it was like a youth group type of thing. Yeah. And um Throughout my childhood, that was like the only exposure that I ever had. That and like, uh, we lived with my grandparents for a little while and, um, and it just happened to be next to a church. And so, I mean, just being a kid and getting out of the house, you can end up, I ended up over at that church mm -hmm. and, um, like attended some, I think there were like Wednesday night youth groups there. Yeah. But, but there was never like, it was, um, if I remember correctly, it was like only like, oh, I can get. I can get this. They give this stuff away at church, like food or yeah. or whatever. I get to hang out with somebody. But there was, um, it was very surface level spirituality. I don't, I don't even know if I could consider it that. It was just like a, a touch on religion in that yeah. aspect. Yeah, totally. I had this a similar, similar type of thing when going to church with the neighbors. Um, more, it was more about um, like, yeah, going to church, they would give me, they would give us candy and we yeah, would yeah. do like the kids, <laughs> the kids like primary group was, I thought it was fun. And then I found a different church later that like they had good music and mm -hmm. they had like lots of fundraisers and parties and things. And so that I was attracted to the community and being a part of, but I, I didn't really understand anything beyond that that yeah. was going on. It was like a personal gain. 
like to yes it was it was environment. <laughs> exactly so um so how did, <clears throat> so who did you grow up with what was your family situation like I grew up with both parents um my debt my my parents were uh, compared to some I had I had a good life like my parents were always there for the most part or for the for the whole part we always had somewhere to go um throughout my childhood my dad was like a big time gambler and my mom suffered from mental health stuff and just different sorts of depressions and and like uh things where she wouldn't come out of her room for long periods of time and then my dad had the gambling problem and uh and that that was like a nutshell of like my whole childhood like the i mean the struggle part at least um he did always work and make sure we had somewhere to be whether it was we like we had our own places and that we'd get kicked out of or stay there for a while. And, uh, we had lived with my grandparents for a little while. We had lived in like shitty hotels in El Cajon for a while. Um, but aside from that stuff, they were, they were pretty much always there. I did like, I played little league. We did camping trips. Um, and yeah, it was like pretty normal to me. It was normal. Yeah. Like I see other people whose parents were just, totally so far gone or absent or um just not together anymore and 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 I always had that two parents together whether they were fighting or happy or whatever they were always there together and still are today yeah yeah so it sounds like you had a somewhat normal I mean what is normal there is no normal I think every family has something there's always something yeah um uh so as you I'm assuming you started to use substances as a teenager. Yeah. So when we moved with my grandparents, I was like starting sixth grade and uh, I started going right, actually right down the street from here uh, in Castor. I went to Spring Valley Middle School. Okay. And uh, we lived in Santee before that and I lived kind of like just a basic kid's life of like scooters and skateboards and bikes. And, and when I, when I, when we moved to my grandparents and I started going there. That was like when I got this introductory to, um, uh, the kids that I wanted to hang out with or that I wanted to impress were like skater kids. And yeah. I, I just wanted to hang out. I just wanted to fit in and to, and to, uh, have people to call my friends. I didn't skate. I just was like a hang around. And, um, in seventh grade, I got introduced to alcohol at school. There was a chick, she brought, um, probably like six or seven water bottles of I don't even know what it was. I just drank it. <laughs> Probably and, vodka. <laughs> yeah. It's like whatever her grandma had at her house, she lived with her grandma and she stole all her booze. And, uh, and we drank it at lunch and then she ended up getting caught. And then we all started getting like brought into the office. She got caught and then everybody was caught. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, so what did alcohol do for you? Did it like, sir? I mean, did it? I know the first time I drank, I was like, wow, this is great. I feel like I can talk and be social and fit in. Like, I, I loved it. Yeah, that that's pretty much the same experience I had. It was like alcohol and weed and getting to hang out with people and to kind of like, um, there was a little less pressure on myself to have to fit in. Like, if I was hanging out and I was drinking and I was smoking, then I just kind of like automatically felt more at ease and fit in. Yeah. Even though I wasn't even like a part of their crew or whatever, I didn't skate like they did or whatever. I just hung out. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, when was the first time you like 
I guess you went on through your addiction. I'm guess guessing you probably didn't have any other spiritual things or did you like, I don't know, did you like drop acid or do anything that like put you in touch with a spiritual nature or were you just kind of oblivious to? So after that, my, my addiction or whatever did progress. And, um, the, the little bit of stuff that I had acquired at like those Wednesday night youth groups or going to church with those people that, um, it just left, I was, I was really narrow minded. I only had that little taste of it. So essentially me being a kid that doesn't really know anything and, um, being exposed to that, I, I of course kind of had a belief in that. Yeah. That there was this God and his name was Jesus. And, and, and I took those little tiny aspects, um, into my addiction, but there was never a practice of it. Yeah. I didn't practice, I, I didn't practice spirituality. I didn't know what it was. Um, I lived a life of like self-seeking pleasure. Yeah. It was all about me. And, um, I know that when I, I took drugs or whatever, uh, that that's what I wanted. That was my higher power of sorts or whatever. Um, but there was never any like, uh, devout spirituality or, um, concept of morals or karma or. What about guilt? Was there like uh, being exposed to Christianity young and then, you know, breaking the rules, breaking laws? Was there guilt? Did you feel guilty? I think in a sorts as I, like as I grew up from those moments in middle school, like um, I lived a life of guilt. Because I always knew that I was doing something wrong, whether I was like in my grandparents backyard, um, taking apart cigarette butts to smoke out of a foil pipe like. Like I always, there was always something in me that knew I was always doing something wrong and it never like, uh, I never felt like much of a human being. I like, (laughs) and I I was just there. I was just existing. There was no like high path for me. Um, my parents were all, like I said, my parents were always there, but there was no like, um, there was no promotion of like, uh, getting in touch with myself or like, uh, ask what kind of aspirations do you have? Yeah. Um, what can we do? You have goals. What can we do to build your future? Like I was, I was merely existing in their world of struggles and yeah. they were just doing the best they could to parent me. Yeah. And I did. And by any means, like from those moments, like when it got hard, they had, they, we had our hard times as a family. But then when I started exploring and doing other things with my life, I created another set of hard problems. Yeah. So what did you, so as time went on, I mean, did you graduate high school? Did you make it through high school and graduate or? I made it through two months of high school. Okay. And then I was involved with like uh, law enforcement, juvenile hall. And then I went to uh, another high school for two weeks. And then I did probably like two and a half years of uh, court schools. Okay. Okay. So what happened as your Let's talk a little bit about your life as an adult as your addiction progressed. Like, what was that like for you? Um, I think it was just a continuation of that ex- existing. Um, I, I knew that I liked to get high. That was pretty much it. I, yeah. I never had nothing really going for me. Um, my thought, I never even knew fun. 
like my thoughts were if if uh, you strip me of these things that I did with my friends, like like drinking and, and partying or whatever, then uh, then my existence was over. Yeah. And that's pretty much I just didn't know anything else ever. Yeah. I was I was self-taught like uh, what friends were. I was self-taught like I never had morals. Um, like a few of my friends were pretty tight, but like at the end of the day, there was never that much, uh, there was never that much of a strong bond there. Yeah. And, uh, and as, as that progressed, I mean, I just kept, I had like, a I had like two classes of friends, friends that I did lightweight stuff with and, and friends that I branched off and started doing like heavier, deeper shit with. And, um, and I, and I kind of like transitioned out of the friends that I did the, the minor stuff with and really fell into the friends that I did the major stuff with. And that's when it, it, for a while it got, it got really dark there. I remember like I, I listened to this rap music, like I'd listened to a uh, tech nine. Oh yeah. And I, I, I mean, Oh, tech nine. Do, doing the drugs that I was doing then and listening to music like that doesn't put you, um, doesn't put you in a, in a great headspace. Yeah. No, I, I was always in a, I was always in a headspace of like, I just wanted to be mischievous. There was times when I never wanted to stop living that life that I was living at like a full acceptance of just being a piece of shit. And like, and I like, I embrace like listening to some of those songs and doing the things that I was doing. I embraced that feeling of doom. Yeah. I can relate to that. There was never a light shining through my life. Like in those moments of my life, there was never a light shining through anywhere. Yeah. I lived in misery. Um, I thrived on, lowering my standards of living it was pretty it wasn't that good pretty bleak (laughs) it was pretty bleak pretty bleak just trying to stay out of jail at the same time yeah trying to yeah trying to not get caught yeah i can relate to that a lot um i listened to a lot of rap and hip-hop throughout my addiction and a lot of heavy metal too and just just so much doom and gloom and but it was like what i enjoyed listening Mm -hmm. to because that's where I was at. And now when I listen to it, I can still listen to a lot of stuff. But some of it, I'm like, fuck, this is depressing. Yeah, I know. <laughs> this is too depressing. Yeah. Can't handle it anymore. Um, so so what happened? Like what what <clears throat> changed? What started the change or what happened to you that that changed things? Okay. So I'll give, I'll give you the, this is like a, I'll fast forward through a lot of that negative stuff with that addiction and and move like kind of right to where my my uh my spirituality started um so i did a lot of the jail in and out of that stuff and i had a lot of these good intentions that i was going to do different things and then throughout the course of that and then i ended up in jail the last time i went to jail i ended up in jail and they gave me they finally um they finally gave me enough time to have some time away from myself out there in the streets doing what I had done for my whole, uh, childhood. And, um, and I really fell back into that only thing that I was ever introduced to. And, um, like I went, the last time I went to jail, I hit it hard with the Christianity. Like, um, I remember being in jail and feeling like such a failure because like, uh, my good intentions never, despite how much in some of those moments that I did want to change, um, I always got back out and did the same thing with the same people at the same spots. And I always ended up letting myself down. And, um, so by the time I ended up in that jail cell the last time, and I was just, I, I cried out to God, a God that I didn't know. And I begged and I begged and I begged that something could be different 
the next time that I got out. And, um, I knew I wasn't getting out at any, anytime soon. And like, uh, like, and I did, I picked up a Bible and I started reading it in jail. And, uh, and for me, that was enough then. Um, and I followed those type of teachings and I, and I got with these people that were doing their Bible groups and I stayed out of like the, uh, the mainstream jail scene of like all those, there's a lot of guys in there that are just trying to prove who they are or yeah. who they want to be and all this stuff. The and trauma. Dude. Yeah. 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 The trauma. So, so falling into that aspect, I was able to like, uh, I was able to just to be left alone. I didn't have to be somebody or want to be somebody. I just knew that this different style of life was leading me in a different direction. And, yeah. um, and it worked a lot for me and I was serious. I was like dead serious about it. I would hold like, uh, prayer groups at night where we all held hands and said prayers in the jail. And like, uh, I wasn't in like, a, at that time I wasn't in a jail. So it was like a common area. And like, I rallied to get people to come yeah, and look at the Bible and read. And, and, uh, and for me, it was, it was a huge outlet. And like, um, I've done, it's been a long spiritual journey. And, um, like at this point in my life, I, I realized what that was. And for me, it was getting out of myself's way. Yeah. I, I relied on self-will and um, making my own decisions and and totally feeling like I had to control the world or uh, or um, make every decision and plan every outcome. And I knew like through all the stuff I've done now and the work that I've done in my spiritual path, like because I, I still try to dissect that. Yeah. Like I realized that was me getting out of my way me letting go of something and not having to control outcomes and giving myself a break. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. And I think, you know, it's, uh, it's common to go that route in when you're incarcerated. I mean, the Jesus thing, the Christian thing, the Bible, that's what's accessible Mm -hmm. for the most part. I mean, maybe some people could get access to other stuff, but everybody that's doing something is going to be doing like Christianity and the Jesus thing. And I've definitely gone down my, my path in that direction before because it was what was there and it was working like just the, you know, um, taking practice in something that was good for me instead of something that was bad for me. That was all it was. And, and I often, it was either neighbors or people in my life that I would go to church with or whatever. Um, but I never could quite fully like buy into the fact that like I had to follow or live a certain way to be loved by God. Like I really just believed that I was loved regardless and that I needed to forgive myself and Mm -hmm. love myself because it was really myself that was causing all of this shame and guilt and stuff toward Mm -hmm. myself, Um, which I learned that much, much later. It took a long time to get. Yeah, I was jumping the gun on some of like dropping back towards that. (laughs) I don't don't know if you want me to keep going. Like, so I rode that the whole time in jail. And when I got out, I, uh, the two things I did when I got out were these suggestions that I took from, from people that were trying to help me stay clean. And, and like the church people was that I went to church. It just happened. just so happened to be that I got out on a Sunday too. So the first two things I did was church and a meeting. And, um, and I followed that. I, I really followed that path for a long time. I got involved. Um, I spent my time with other people that went to church and cultivated relationships and uh, 
and at the like uh I followed it for a long time and and I did my due diligence in in making that practice but at the end at the end of that part of my spiritual journey it was that I realized that um I was following it in fear yeah like the only like I did the whole church thing and we were, we were, uh, I was like behind the scenes with the church and, uh, and I watched what they, they preached every week about, they wanted the money. And then I'm in the back of like their, this was like a fancy church. So I'm in the back where they do all this stuff. And it's like, they're all on, uh, MacBook pros. Then it's, there wasn't like a, there was a lot of money being spent on self back there. I didn't yeah. see it. Although they did do a lot of other stuff for the church. It's like, I just, something wasn't clicking for me. And then I, I ended up in this place where I'm like, I'm not even, I don't even like this anymore, but here I am. And I realized that I'm only following this because of the fears of what would happen to me if I didn't. That's where I was left with the Christianity thing. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I relate to that. And I, I had questions, you know, like I had like, I was really open-minded because mm-hmm. I never got because my family wasn't religious and I never got taught about anything. I was super open-minded to a lot of things. So I was like, I was always thinking about like, well, what about the Buddhist people? Are all of them just wrong Yeah. or something? Like, are all of them going to like not get into heaven or like, I just had so like, I was always wondering about things and, and I felt very, I just felt this kind of like resistance even when I was really trying Mm -hmm. and, and, and I learned later that that was because it just wasn't my path. And I was, it's because I, I've also learned that it's it's because it's such a one path, one ideal, uh, one type of acceptance thing to yeah. get that ticket to heaven or whatever. Yeah. And then another thing, I also had this like a, I had this like thing in my head too, like how could somebody murder somebody, rape somebody, kill their mom, and all they have to do is ask for forgiveness and they uh, and they get the ticket. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm, it was just too, I'm really open and flexible to different ideals of past or whatever. And it was two, one, one, uh, one thing, one rule, one path. There was no, there's no flexibility for me when I was doing it. There was no like flexibility or deviation from that. Yeah. Which left me feeling trapped. Yeah, totally. So then what happened? Uh, so, so after I realized that I was following fearfully, like I remember I had all these books, Christianity books, and I just kind of, I don't know if I gave them away or threw, threw them away. I was still living at my parents at the time. And, uh, I think my mom came home. She's like, why are all your books on my bed? Is everything, (laughs) is everything okay? Because to her, it's like, I've been doing this and I've been doing other things for my, my personal, um, being. And they've been working and she's getting to see this new person in me and uh, not really understanding the path that I'm on or where I'm going. But she sees like all these books that I've been practicing out of. And now they're like moved out of my room and under a bed. She says, there's this concern. Now there's this concern factor on her part. Yeah. And um, I, I, I never like I never ended up bitter or resentful for for Christianity or Christians. Like I don't I don't hate you for being who you are or what you believe. That's just, that's kind of like the reason why I afraid out of it is because just something more open and, and something that I've always taken from that. Um, cause I do believe that whether it's my religion or somebody's religion or all these different paths, there's always for me, 
and the person that I am, I could walk into any type of church, monastery, Satanist or satanic house or anything like that. And I feel like there's, um, if I allow it, there's always something for me to take from there. Yeah. Whether it's something I want to ingrain into like uh, my core being and live by that, or it's something that like I learned that I don't want to be like, I feel like there's, my life is super open and like open-ended. Yeah. I'm just not a one path type of person. Yeah, me neither. Open-mindedness is the key. And I wasn't, you know, I had to learn that open-mindedness because I came in with a lot of like trauma from growing up in a Mormon society when my family wasn't Mormon and they were going to jail and prison and we were like the outcasts. Yeah. And so having that, like I had a lot, like I lived in Utah for 21 years of my life and there was just a lot of instances and situations where it was made very clear that I was not a part of that religion. So I was very traumatized by religion. And so I was very shut off. I was Mm -hmm. like, if it's organized, if they're meeting in a building and they got money coming in, I'm not going. Like I was so um, closed off and afraid just because of that one small experience with one specific religion. And it's just that lack of knowing. The lack of knowing. Yeah. And now it's like, I mean, I got cracked open and I'm, I'm super open. Like, I'm just like you, like, I want to go to all of the places Mm -hmm. and all the things I am so interested in other cultures. Like I want to travel just so I can like see what other people are doing and like what their temples look like and their gods look like and all this stuff, because I was just so closed for so long that now it's like, I want to know it all and experience it and then decide what I want to take from, mm-hmm. from each of those different things. But like to answer your question, like when I transitioned out of that, that left me in a weird spot. Like the life I had been living at that point was, um, involved with me getting clean. And that's where I surrounded myself with. And, uh, and the great thing about living that certain lifestyle was that I, I was left with an open-ended, um, option as to who I was gonna like, uh, who my higher power was or what kind of spiritual life that I was going to live, which was great. But it, then there I was like, now I've, I've transitioned out of this thing that I knew I was introduced as a kid. And then I started following it for probably close to two years. And, um, it was something that I knew and I practiced. And now like I'm here at square one, what, what's my higher power? What is my spirituality? Um, what kind of practice do I want to have? And it's been like over the past five years, like it's been a journey of self-exploration and um, I still haven't put a, uh, I still haven't put a pinpoint head on what God is. Yeah. I still don't, I still don't have that answer for myself. I just know that um, it's not me. And, uh, and, and a part of me, a part of me believes that there is that God aspect in all of us. Yeah. It's that part of us that gets to like, um, there's a little bit of that. I feel like there's a little bit of that in everybody. And that can be like shared and cultivated as we like get together and share, um, share space. Um, I do know that like, uh, where I feel the most one and the most whole and the most connected to earth is like when I'm out in the mountains. Yeah. I've made that connection. I know that's like a very spiritual or sacred place for me is being out there and, um, and just knowing who I am, like I'm not it. I'm yeah. not the one. I don't have the answers. 
Like, and, and like along that journey, the things that I've got to figure out is that, um, I look and then people always say, pray, pray, pray. And I'm like, well, I don't have this thing to pray to. And like, I've, I've acquired this, um, thinking in my, like in my thinking, I, I like died back into it. What, what happened when I prayed to this God that I don't believe in anymore? Cause there was aspects in time when, um, when I prayed and it really did help me. And I realized that, um, when I could get out of my head and when I can, um, do that prayer, that that's me, um, showing myself that I am not in control. Yeah. And that's me giving, um, that's me fully committing to a, like a surrender because, um, all I can control is me. And normally when I pray, like it's about a thing or something that I want to change. And that for me, that's that surrender. And, yeah. um, and I've learned since then, like, uh, the prayer for me now is like, I don't, I don't sit down and pray ever, but, um, I'll sit there and think about it. And it's like, um, uh, I try to draw on the things like, say I'm praying for an outcome type of thing. I can, I really, I really believe that that, that does nothing for me. But if I can, um, if I could think of what I could draw on in myself to help me get through that, then that, that's like, that's like with the prayer action for me. Yeah. And and that's just where I'm at today. Yeah. No, I I relate to that so much. I don't pray either. I don't, I mean, I say pray, I'll tell my sponsees to pray Mm -hmm. and I'll like be like, I'm going to pray about it, but I'm not meaning what people are thinking because I don't have a conversation Usually, mm-hmm. I mean, there's been times when it's gotten really rough for me that I've like had a conversation with like, I'm like, what's up? Whatever's out there. Like, yeah. check it out. That's I'm when it gets really freaking deep. out right now. But most of the time there's no conversation because for me, it's like God is outside of me and inside of me and mm-hmm. I'm connected to it no matter whether I believe it or not. Mm-hmm. And so I don't have to have the, I don't feel the need to have a conversation because I know that, that it can feel me. And it knows what I'm thinking and feeling. And, and it's so intuitive to my thoughts and feelings that that what I'm thinking and feeling is really going to make a difference. So when I'm praying, it's really just I'm changing my thinking. I'm going from like a negative mind to a more positive mind or I'm surrendering like, okay, I don't have this. I'm going to need some help. And then it's like you said, how can I get help for this? And it's like, I'll call my Support group, sponsor, I'll talk to somebody. Sometimes I need to get out in nature because I feel so, um, like if I don't get out in nature regularly, something happens to me where I just start to get super stressed over stuff and I need to be like reset, like take me to the beach or take me on a drive or something out away so that I can be like reconnected. It's like a reboot. I have a whole theory on that. (laughs) Yeah, it's a real thing. Our human, our bodies need to be connected to nature. I I feel like there's a... Like even sitting right here, it's quiet. It's just us two talking about something. But like beyond this door that we're behind, there's somebody moving around. There's a car driving. And I feel like um, that's that life vibration. Yeah. And then I, I I know that if I can get far enough away from that into the mountains. And like I know that the way I feel is that uh, the further I get away from that is the more connected that I get to um, nature. Yeah. And I know that when I'm in that place, then I could stop worrying about what's going on around me. It takes me away from everything that's going on. So that's where I am with the uh, nature and spirituality. 
is that removal of that vibration or that everyday living. Yeah. And you get connected with what's there. And then I could see what I really am. I'm just this, I'm just this thing seeking nature. It's like, it's huge for me. I mean, to, to recognize that in my spiritual journey is like awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Nature is, it's incredible. And (laughs) if there's ever been a, a religion I identify with, it's paganism. Um, because the seasons like they they go with the wheel calendar it's the calendar of the seasons and all of the holidays are seasonal um and they go with the seasons and it's all about like sinking our body to the seasons and that is like i mean it's it's been so real for me i thought i had like a seasonal affective disorder would be the Western label. Yeah. But really what it is, is like, I'm a human being. And like when winter comes, I naturally want to like kind of hibernate in a way, yeah. like shut down, like like I want to rest more, eat more and be with my loved ones more. Whereas in the summer, I'm like flighty. I want to get out and go. I don't need, like I have way more energy. I don't need as much food. Like it's, and it's, it's just go. natural to be that way. There's nothing yeah. wrong with me. I don't have a disorder because my body sinks with the seasons like that. And, um, paganism, there's just a lot of stuff about nature. And I've really loved that and how they like, you know, worship all the gods or yeah. like, like everything is the, there's the one God and everything, but it's all the gods. Like everything is God. And, and that's been really just the closest thing that I could find that like summed up how I was feeling. Um, but I think society has really messed us up with yeah. <laughs> the 40 the hour work week and just the consumerism. We all want to buy stuff and do stuff all the time. And we just were not created to be that way. Yeah. I'm really learning. I'm learning that a lot right now. Like the more I, uh, I don't have cable or news or anything. I hate watching that stuff. But like uh, just exposure through like social media or uh, TikTok videos. It's like, I really don't like this earth I'm living on. Yeah. And the people that control it, it's like, it's honestly like really scary. <laughs> yep. And and the more we TikTok and the more we watch things and it's like the less we are to going to be connecting to nature, connecting to our true self. Like if I can even just get quiet in meditation, you know, like with myself once a day, that's going to help me. But like, we are just trained to not, at least in America, it's like, we're just taught to always be busy. And if you're not busy, you're watching TV, Netflix or whatever. Like I try to read as much as possible, but I get sucked into Netflix like no other. Like I get on a show and I will escape into that. Tunnel vision. (laughs) Like Like it's it's a a real life. Like it's a real life. Like I'll cry when people die and things happen. And Josh is like, you are like too attached to these characters. And I'm like, they are my family. Like that's what it feels like. You don't understand. It's so easy to get yeah. sucked into it. It's, it's, um, I wish I could go live out in the middle of freaking nowhere. When I was young, I, I grew up on a mountain. My, my dad had property like, like way up, like there's nobody. And I I used to think when I was little, like, I'm going to live up here when I'm older. Like, I'm going to get this property. I'm going to inherit it. I'm going to build, like, a cabin or maybe a little bed and breakfast for people to come and, like, stay. And I'm going to live up here. And this is going to be my life. And that was, like, the dream. And, and you know, obviously that didn't happen. My dad sold his shares of the property because he, lit- he literally thought I just didn't want to be there or didn't care about it because I spent so many years in my addiction just like not giving a shit about that yeah 
I never went up there at all. I feel like that every time we go to Yosemite. <laughs> we're, we, whenever we leave Yosemite, we're talking about, because it's like all uh, the workers up there all live up there. Yeah. And you pretty much get free lodging. And there's like all these different roles assigned to the village up there. So every time we leave, we're like, oh, you're going to be, uh, you're going to come up here and do hair up here and we're going to have a family and live in the mountains. Yeah. And then you come back to reality and you're like, life's shut back down into this grind. Yep. Especially here. It's like, we have a lot of beautiful nature around us, but it's like, it's so expensive to live here. Mm-hmm. Who gets to eat? Everything's <laughs> gets at even, a cost. Who gets to enjoy any of it? I live because here. I so just busy. can't go and do anything here. Yeah. It's, um. It's different. And when I go home, I go visit my sister. She lives in a tiny town where I grew up. And it's very slow life there. Like she has a coffee shop and um, her husband works like at an animal sanctuary, this huge animal sanctuary. Um, And then the kids, there's like one elementary school, one middle school, one high school. And the kids all play sports and they just do the small town lifestyle. And like I remember... I hated that when I was when I was like 18, 19 years old. I was like, I will never live in a small town again. I like hate it there. Everyone's so judgmental, blah, blah, blah. And now I'm like, fuck. When I go there, I'm like, I want to live here. Yeah. Because it's slow. Like the life is slower and they have the time to go out in the hills because there's nothing to do. Like Mm -hmm. after after the coffee shop closes at 2 p.m., there is nothing to do. Like. I feel like that's sad that we have to be forced into. It's like you were saying, we've been taught to be so busy. Yeah. Like I even like I. I even notice it with my kid. It's like uh, I could give him some type of thing to watch or be on, and then uh, and then he craves that, or I could take that away from him, and uh, and he still craves that. But after after a while, they're forced to do something else. Yeah. And it's like, that's my main goal as like a parent to totally not let my, it's a, it's like a hard battle because kids see this stuff. They want to do these things on tablets and on, be on your phone and all this shit. And it's like, I have to really battle to get my kid to grow up, to be something other than just behind yeah. that. Yeah. They grow up behind a screen and you can t- I can tell because I get, um, I work in a facility where we have clients that are. You know, we have clients that are 60 years old and we have clients that are mm-hmm. 19 years old. And <clears throat> the difference in the way that they behave in the living environment when they have to do the chores and follow the schedule and stuff, like it's so obvious that these younger people, like they are struggling because they don't know how to do the basic things like cook a meal and do the dishes and do their laundry on a scheduled laundry day, just basic stuff. Mm-hmm. They're just not as, um, they're not doing as much. They're watching things. And then, um, I don't know, maybe they have parents that are contributing to like doing some of their stuff for them. I don't know. I I was like, I had to do everything for myself. I mm-hmm. basically raised myself. My parents were around, but they were not present. Yeah. And, and so I learned how to, I learned skills. Like I have some different skills. There's things that I can do if I need, if I have to, I can like take care of myself. Yeah. And I just don't think that that's going to be how it is for the future generations. Most of them. Hopefully some of our kids will have some. (laughs) It's a scary aspect of like having a kid. It's like, I even think about it now. Do I want to have another kid? Yeah. Selfish me wants another little kid to be in my life. But it's like, what am I bringing this child into? (laughs) It's kind of scary. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is scary. Um, But one thing's for sure is having, you know, people, people like you that 
or have have an awareness, you know, and like you're trying to like live the way that you think is right and follow a path and 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 like raise children to to be able to do the same thing, you know, that is going to be the difference with like some of the future generation is going to be better for it. Like there yeah. will be those of us that have kids that are able to like and one thing I will say about this like current generation, um, the softness and the like the the empathy and stuff like it can be viewed as a negative thing. But in reality, like it's actually really beautiful because when I'm around a lot of younger people, um, they are so empathetic and understanding of each other's trauma and struggle. Mm-hmm. And like and sometimes it goes off to a complete opposite end of the spectrum where it's too much. Yeah. But for the most part, they're just very like they want to understand each other. And I know like me growing up, like we were not like getting loaded and talking about our feelings and shit, you know, like we weren't like supporting each other and trying to understand each other's trauma. We were all traumatizing each other because we were traumatized. How could we shut our trauma down? Yeah. Like how can we just like, (laughs) yeah. And, and so this generation, there's a lot of beautiful things too. There's a, there's that like polarity of like, you know, the good and the bad or the light and the dark and, and I hope that if we have a kid that we're able to just give it the option to be able to like choose what path it wants to go down and just love and yeah. just love, just yeah. love and, and give it, give it its necessities and love and then see kind of like what it's going to yeah. want to do. I don't think I ever touched back on that, the Christianity thing and tip being able to take something out of that. That's what I took out of that was love. Yeah. It was like yeah. everything that I saw at church, the one thing that when I kind of turned my back on that and then, um, I'm like, well, what was that even for? Something that I did learn there was the that love thy neighbor aspect of it, like it, like it was yourself, you know. Yeah. And I, for me, like I've I've still taken that around, you know. Who who am I? How do I want to? I want to treat you in the same ways that I want to be treated. Yeah. So in a sense, no, like no, no spiritual path for me is ever like a, a bunk mission. Yeah. I mean, it could be if you don't want to learn or take something from it but for myself it's like nothing ever has to be a waste of time if yeah. i'm invested in something with good intentions and with um positive seeking not not necessarily just self-seeking ambitions then i could walk away from anything with something to give so yeah there's always something to learn and I feel I've said it before on this podcast, but like I would never want to be in a position where I am so 100 percent certain of something that I believe that I'm unwilling to like listen to what someone has to say. Like I would never want to be so sure yeah. that I'm not open to anything else because even you know what what I love is like when I meet someone that's Christian and they're open, you know, and they're willing to like hear me out about things or like, like I have one sponsee that's, um, Christian. She goes to church and does all the things, but she'll come over here for the Yule and we'll burn the Yule log and we'll be doing like a whole fucking spiritual thing. And she's down for it because she's like, this is positive. This is good. I can feel the energy is good. And I know, um, some, I know somebody in my head that I could think of right now. It's just like that. Yeah. Like I love, I love that be, because not, <coughs> you know, not everybody that's involved in religion is, is going to be like the people that, that affected me when I was younger, yeah. you know, some of these people are very loving, kind, they have values. And there's that, it's, there's that new era of Christianity. Yeah. They're much, they're much more open. And I saw this thing earlier today that said, um, it's not about practicing Christianity. It's about practicing being 
like Christ. And it's not about practicing Buddhism. It's about practicing being like Buddha. And like, we're not trying to, I'm not trying to like follow this book that tells me what I can and can't do and all this stuff. I'm trying to be like the person the book is about. Yeah. The, the writer. Yeah. the Yeah. And like Jesus, you know, he, he, he really wasn't a Christian. I mean, he was walking around and he was in touch with something and he was super powerful and he was here, but I don't think that he like knew what was to come and just yeah. knew and like knew they were going to write the Bible about him. Like, that's not what went down. It's like, if you really think about it, Jesus was just a guy that was out there loving everybody that he saw. Teach and heal. And trying to really um, meet people where they were at because he was willing to love all of those people that everyone else was like, nah, get away from me. Yeah. Yeah. And that's rad. Jesus Jesus is like, he's my homeboy, even though I'm not a Christian. Mm -hmm. He is definitely one of the, the deities or gods or people that I think about. Like when I think about like the greatest people that have ever walked the planet mm-hmm. and Buddha is one of them too. And like mother Teresa. And really, if you want to get into like mysticism, Hitler was one of those people too. He was just on the complete opposite end of the spectrum. He was a very powerful individual and he used all of that power for the absolute negative energy, like took, took out like millions of people with his powerful antics and like teachings uh, to people but then on the other end you know we have like jesus who like changed the world in a positive way Mm -hmm. so this world is just it's like there's so much up and down and light and dark and and i always see that yeah i really like what you were saying about that like um never getting into a place where you're you know it all yeah because yeah that, that, that i would be afraid to be in a place like that because then i have nothing else to seek or nothing to learn. Yeah. And then I'm just over opinionated and yeah, it's just not how I want to be. Yeah. That's what I liked ever since I've like, I've, I've been looking into the Buddha thing and, um, I did a meeting, a meeting there for like a, a recovery meeting there that was part of it. And, um, everybody's share was like right on target with what, um, was trying to be shared on. And when I left there and, after the meditation, it left me in a spot where I wanted to seek more of that. And, yeah. um, and I picked up a book and started reading it and it was like anything, any type of, uh, spiritual practice or religion that I could apply into my day to day life to make me feel better. And then in turn, leave me a better person to treat others better. I'm, I'm like totally on with it. And that's what I've really found in that practice is just the, uh, That part about stuff, like just suffering is going to happen. Yeah. It's so profound to me. Yeah. Suffering happens whether I do everything fucking great in my life, whether I'm doing all the right things, whether I'm, I'm being a model star at work or feeling real good, like suffering's going to happen. And to be able to accept that and to know that suffering just happens and that there's a way to embrace that and then accept it. And then work through it. It's freaking awesome to me. Yeah. That's what I really, that's what I'm really digging on that aspect of like my spiritual path right now. Yeah. It's incredible. Like I, so somebody told me one time they're like pain demands to be felt. And, and it was like, they like rang a bell by my ear. Cause it was like, what? I was like, oh my God. Like that makes so much sense. It made perfect sense to me. And and then they taught me how, they also taught me how to like meditate 
in a specific way to like feel my feelings because I kept trying to like resist the process and resist feeling the emotions because it was so painful. It was like really painful stuff I was going through. And they were like, look, like this pain, like you have to feel it. That's the only way it's going to go away. You're never going to get to just go around it or under it. Like you got to walk through it and actually feel it in your body so that your body can let it go. And I learned how to do that and it changed my life forever. I've been doing that same meditation ever since. When If I get into a lot of pain, I use that same the meditation she walked me through Um And it's so true, like that suffering and pain is just, it's part of life, it's part of being alive. And it's really beautiful that we get to have it because we wouldn't know, like we just wouldn't know how good we have it when things are good if we didn't go through that suffering. Like my my suffering, there's been times where like I thought it was gonna kill me, I thought I was gonna get loaded, I thought I didn't know what was gonna happen. And then on the other end of it, it's always like, oh wow, like, That made me grow so much. I would not be who I am without the intense amount of pain. Yeah. But it's hard to get someone else to understand and and be willing to. Yeah, it it has to be part of the path, yeah. Yeah, it's got to be like, they got to be willing to do it because I, I, when I work with other people and they're, um, they're resisting the process or the pain and I'm like, hey, like these feelings, like they're normal, like you just got to walk through them and stuff. It's, it's really hard for them to trust my experience and what I'm telling them. Yeah. You know, they're just going to have to kind of keep going through it until they hit that point of that breaking point of like surrender. And okay, I just have to give into this suffering and start to look at it as like part of my human experience. Yeah. And then you're liberated. And And then you're free. (laughs) And then you're free from it. And your suffering does matter. Like I never want, I don't want people to suffer. And I'd really like, I feel for people when they suffer, but I also am always like, this is part of your path. Like if you're going through this right now, it's because in the future, you're going to need what you're going to learn. Like I really believe that like when we go through the really hard shit, it's to serve something later. Yeah. Um, Because that's just what I've seen happen. And it may not be like God's up there writing a list of your life path and everything that's going to come. And he knows you need this, but it's like you naturally are going to be capable of handling situations based off what you've been through. Yeah. I remember one of my most, uh, my most painful breakups. I remember like at that time, I thought that was the end of me. (laughs) Just that raw. I was even thinking in my head, I'm like, it's amazing how something could hurt so much, hurt, hurt your heart so much without touching it. Yeah. Like having your dreams of being with somebody shattered like that. But um, like fast forward to now, I realized I had to go through that pain to end up with the family that I have today. Exactly. Like my beautiful son would have never been born if I hadn't have been in all that pain that one day. Yeah. Dude. So if for, for me, like being in that position leads me to like where, where when this suffering or pain type of thing happens, then I could I can like maybe take my focus off that that pain that I'm feeling and maybe try to have some type of understanding on where this is going to help me in my life. And that takes away, that can take away in that moment of pain, a lot of that pain. Yeah. Like if you could fixate not on what caused you the harm and and maybe focus on like, okay, I'm, I'm caused this harm right now. Maybe what area is this going to help me in? Yeah. And then you're like living in that solution already. Yeah. You've like already transitioned out of 
like allowing the suffering to cycle through you. Yeah. Yeah. Freaking. I mean, these epiphanies, these epiphanies are like, like, I don't know where I would be without all these experiences and learning these different practices of like me, myself, how I tick, like what, what causes me harm. And then like situations can happen and I could suffer. Like I'm going to, like I was saying, I'm going to suffer no matter what, how much pain I feel can be in in my hands yeah like a suffering is a situation my pain is normally like based on uh my reactions yeah and what you resist will persist so like the more you resist the pain the stronger it keeps coming back like the more my mental fixation is on it the like it's like a it's like a snowball going down a hill yeah it just builds and builds and builds it really is and it's it's so funny because like Man, like I went through a breakup before I met Josh and like it, like I, like we relapsed together. Like we were totally just trauma bonded. Like, and I was like going to be with that dude forever. It was the first person I ever wanted to marry. The first person I ever wanted kids with. Like it was, that was it. Mm-hmm. And and looking back, I'm like, wow, I was really going to settle for like way below like what I deserved. And, you know, we would have been, I don't even know what we would have been doing, probably dead by now. But when we, when I finally let go of that relationship and went through the suffering, like I had to choose to let go of it because I could have just stayed in it and kept trying to like live that way. And I finally let, let it go. And I like, I thought it was going to kill me. Like I was like not eating, not sleeping, like Like there was times when I was self-harming, like I was on the floor hyperventilating. It was so incredibly painful because I had never fully like felt my feelings around grief and abandonment and stuff before in my life. That was really the first time I really chose to like walk through something like that. And, and now like looking back and it took a long time to grieve, but looking back at it, I'm like, oh my God, like all of that was preparing me to be the person I am today and to be able to be in a relationship with someone like Josh. Cause if it would have been that person that I was, there's no way that this would, we would not be where we are right now. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't have worked out. I wouldn't have been able to be in a healthy relationship. I wasn't ready. And I also have attracted in many women <clears throat> that have needed someone to support them through similar types of situations. And the first time I worked steps with someone that had this going on, I was like, Holy shit. My experience, like right now, just like Angie told me, my experience is literally helping this girl walk through her experience. Just me going through it. Like I couldn't believe it was happening like that. It was so profound to me because in that pain, I felt like I'm never going to love again. Like I'm never going to be worth anything to anybody. I've ruined my whole life. Like just this whole like pity party. And it was literally all for such a important reason for Mm -hmm. my life. Yeah, that's why something that other like like uh, rings true for any type of spirituality or religion or anything like that is like uh, trying to always live my life in for some sort of gratitude or in some sort of gratitude. Yeah, because it's like I never know what this moment's gonna be to me later, you know. And um, and another piece to that is like uh, if I could live a life, if I could just be grateful for everything that I have in every situation and know that there's something to it, then to me, in a sense, that's a spiritual practice to live by. Oh yeah. Just living by gratitude itself is like, um, it leaves you in that position to feel good yeah, and to feel okay with yourself. And then 
And, and then in turn, it leaves you in a spot to where you can be that for somebody else or even just being your true self and being grateful that rubs off on people. It's not like a, it's not like a, an action that only helps yourself. Yeah. You being around somebody grateful can allow somebody to be grateful. Yes. Things that I would have never learned if I didn't like, um, if I didn't open myself up to multiple spiritual paths. Yeah. So like, I mean, like sitting here, it's like a blessing. I mean, all the confusion that I've endured since, um, since I've started on a spiritual path is worth it. Yeah. Cause there's times where I've been like, what am I even doing? <laughs> I'm not spiritual about it. Or like, what is this whole thing? And it's, I mean, it's mostly when I'm like, uh, pressured, I guess, to pressuring myself to like have something to rely on. But it's like, I, on my path, I've, I've accumulated all these things to rely on. Nothing, yeah. like I said, nothing's really like one, one shot all. Like I have all these different things that I could rely on that it can make me feel at ease. Yeah. There's like, it's like a toolbox, yeah, man. Yeah. It's, it really is. It's a toolbox, man. And gratitude, meditation, prayer, going to, you know, going to meetings or going to anywhere where you can be in community with like-minded people like yourself. Those are all things that are like just practical daily things that you can do to like increase your your spirituality, even if you don't have a connection yet. Sometimes like, sometimes if I'm not feeling connected, I just like walk through the motions, just mm-hmm. keep doing the things. Cultivate something. Eventually <laughs> something's going to click and, and it may just be like me hearing a song on the radio that's about whatever I'm thinking about at that moment, driving in the car. And I'm like, oh man, like the little synchronicities and the little things that the universe seems to just put in place, look, keeping an eye out. Is all I'm doing is just keeping an eye out for those positive things. Less focus on all the things that are going wrong and keeping an eye out for something that could be going right for you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and being around positive people makes a huge difference because four years ago I started hanging out with people that had lives that I wanted to have. Mm -hmm. And now I have a life just like them. And you know, like Angie's been a huge person, like when I when she first started sponsoring me, I would get annoyed when I would hang out with her because she was always so positive and happy, and I was just like, really, like, yeah, like you're just, too much, like you're too much. <laughs> but now I'm like the same way, and and I still have a little bit of a dark undertone <clears throat> sometimes. I definitely have something that keeps me grounded, but I am so much more positive, and I really think it's from being around more positive people and. When I'm around negativity now or when I'm being negative, I can feel it. Like, I'm like, oh, no. Like, I'm complaining again. I'm back on the complaining. I need to, like, shift it because I don't want to go backward to that mentality of nothing's nothing's good enough or, like, something's always wrong. It's just a hard place to be. Yeah. It's easier. <laughs> after, after you practice it, it's easier to, like, fixate more on that uh, positivity because, I, I mean, from, for me... It's kind of like a lot of the stuff we've been saying. I could either focus on the positive things or I could focus on the negative things. It's just I know that when I focus on the positive things, then I end up being able to navigate through life with a little more ease. Yeah. And for me, that's I mean, that's the goal. I just want to I just kind of like want to float through life with ease with like the least amount of resistance. Yep. And, And like what I'm learning for myself is that that's up to me. Yeah. So. Totally. So uh, what I like to do for every episode is uh, a book 
suggestion. Do you have any uh, book suggestions? God, I don't know the. I should have told you. Before I don't know the book. I'm, I'm reading a book right now that I would suggest to anybody. <laughs> it's a Buddhist book by. Uh, it's just like these basic teachings. I don't know what it's called though. <laughs> okay, that's okay. I'm I'm still reading the same book I've been reading the last three episodes, which is The Myth of Normal by Gabor Mate, and it is still excellent, um, but I am busy, so I haven't had the time to really finish a book in a while, but I am working on it. Okay, so it's the heart of Buddha's teaching. Okay. I don't even want to butcher his name. The heart t- of Buddha's t- t- teaching. Thich Nhat Hanh. Yeah, that's the book. Thich Nhat Hanh. Yeah, I think I've... The Heart of Buddhist Teachings. Okay, so there's the book suggestion. I'll put a link in the um, notes for this episode. So if you guys want to check like it out. It's like super good. Super, super uh, I mean, for me, introductory yeah. level of like Buddhism. Okay, cool. That sounds like a, a good one. It's um, been in my like It's been in my house for six years. I've never touched it. It's my wife's book. Yeah, it's been sitting. I, I literally feel like it's been sitting there waiting for me to read it. Yeah, I feel that I have so many books. I just packed like two boxes of books, mm-hmm. and so many of them I haven't even read. Like I'll buy books and then like forget that I own them, and then I'll find them and read them later. But I I also have a Kindle, so now I have like a reading device, so yeah, I books, can books on hand. Yeah, well, I loved it. I bought it because when I go to the beach, I was taking like paperback books to the beach, and they're always getting all fucked up and. And this thing is like, you can see it in the sun and it's just like a small thing. So it's been helpful for reading outside, but, but yeah, well, it's been rad to have you on. I I knew it was going to be a good episode. You're, you're just a chill guy and you're, you, you just have a calm about you. And I like that. And I think that like, you know, having people like you and, and Cassie in our life, like me and Josh love, like we love to have people that we can look up to, you know, like mm-hmm. couples. And you guys are one of the couples that were like, you know, they're rad. Oh, and that's we, cool. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> yeah. um, I appreciate you coming out on a Sunday. <laughs> I know you're yeah, probably totally, totally busy. Worth it. Cool. Cool. All right, guys. Well, there you have it. That's episode number four spiritually shitty thank you all for listening we appreciate you so much okay bye no i'm not living in this world (laughs) (laughs) gotta detach from radio life